0: Every action that we take to decrease emissions and decrease air pollution is going to
1: improve human health. There will be roughly 1.4 million lives saved from improved air quality over the next 20 years. That also results in about $700 billion per year in benefits to the U.S. from improved health, which is dramatically more than the cost of implementing those same changes that are needed to mitigate and prepare for climate change.
2: Welcome to the Stories for Action podcast, where we speak with folks taking bold actions for a thriving planet. Our aim is to bridge divides and provide calls to action to help you find your role for positive impact. I'm your host, Laura Tomov. We learn more every day about the ripple effects of climate change and environmental degradation. This includes the impacts on public health. Today we're speaking with Drs. Robert and Lori Byron who founded the organization Montana Health Professionals for a Healthy Climate. This organization is a collaborative effort of health professionals of all kinds who through advocacy, education, science, and action work to improve the public health and community well-being of Montanans. Dr. Lori Byron is a pediatrician and is on the Children's Health Advisory Committee to the EPA and the Executive Committee of the Environmental Council at the American Academy of Pediatrics. Dr. Robert Byron is an internist. He is also a former governor of the Montana chapter of the American College of Physicians and a member of the Medical Society Consortium on Climate and Health. Both Robert and Lori worked as healthcare providers on the Crow Indian Reservation in Montana for over two decades, and together they both co-chair the Citizens Climate Lobby health team. They speak with us about the public health impacts of climate change and why the voice of medical professionals is critical in creating positive change. They begin by sharing a little background on the motivation and mission of their current organization. Though the impacts of climate change are many and relatively
1: straightforward, it became clear to us that there needed to be more cooperation between organizations and also a better way to get the word out uh, to more people which meant an organization which could focus the thoughts and voices of people within the healthcare profession, in which some of the most profound climate change impacts will be is upon our health.
0: We welcome anybody whose work touches health. So there's veterinarians and dentists and physical therapists and pharmacists and doctors and nurses, uh, anybody that touches health. And so some some of the main work that we've done so far is We've worked with several of the different uh, cities and counties in Montana that are developing climate plans and have been willing to either write or edit the sections on that on health, because that's usually a powerful section, especially if you're in a region where the members of your city or town might not be 100% sold on, on having a climate plan. So that's been uh, one thing. The next big thing... will. Will be coming up because we haven't had a legislative session since the group was in existence. And we've talked with a number of people about what bills we can look at supporting. And this will be the first time in Montana that a medical group has actually put in their voice on doing um, energy bills. Other work would be that we have uh, a number of our board members and, and other people give presentations to churches, to communities, and to medical groups. And we've also got several of the medical organizations to ally with us, the American Lung, the Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of
2: Physicians, and the Montana Public Health Association. And there are similar entities and organizations forming in other states across the country and in other countries themselves that folks can look to for specifics on their own area, whether they're in the general public or healthcare professionals themselves. And since your organization is located and focuses on communities and risk factors in Montana, what are some of those specific impacts that Montanans are facing due to climate change?
1: Importantly, the the, the health impacts of climate change are, are going to be huge. They already are affecting us within the state. Primarily within the state, what we expect are impacts from increased heat, increased flooding and drought, as well as uh, the impacts of increased uh, areas burned from wildfires. And uh, I'll just be specific here that climate change is a major factor resulting in the increased frequency and areas burned of wildfires. There are others, but climate change is one of the major factors uh, in that. And of course, just to point out with wildfires, the impacts are obviously those directly on the people who are either in the path of the wildfire or the firefighters themselves, but much more broadly than that, uh, people in a much wider area are affected by the smoke from wildfires, which has direct impacts on, on our health in terms of respiratory, cardiac function, increased numbers of strokes, as well as impacts on pregnant women and their fetuses. It's also anticipated that we will see more problems with heat, and that's in terms of both hotter days during the summer or more hotter days, but also longer periods of heat during the summer, as well as the impacts that that also has on creating more drought, particularly in rural areas where many of our workers or many of our people work outside, they will be particularly prone to increased impacts from those issues. So those are some of the, the biggest impacts. We, we also expect to see more problems with flooding, uh, and that would be the result of earlier snow melt combined with more extreme precipitation events. So seeing more flooding in the in the spring, and then after that, potentially more droughts, as I mentioned.
0: The drought and the heat also have a huge effect on agriculture. Uh, we tend to think that plants like the heat and they do, but um, our grain growing crops really only like the temperature to go up to about 84, 85 degrees. When it gets hotter than that, the production actually goes down for every day that's above that temperature in the year. So that has an effect on, on our yields. And of course, the drought has a huge effect on our yields. So we had the worst drought in Montana history in 2017 in uh, eastern Montana. And they uh, had a huge
2: change in their crop production. And while a lot of those elements are specific to Montana and Montanan communities, they also apply to several other states in the U.S. and in other countries as well. And as you both are a part of uh, national organizations for health and climate, what are some of the other elements that we're seeing climate change having an impact on public health outside of Montana and and across the country?
1: Well, particularly with the issues in in coastal areas, um, uh, two things. One, sea level rise is very real, affects some areas more than others, but puts huge numbers of people at risk to have to move because of the very issue of sea level rise. And the other issue is the increased strength and impacts of storms particularly hurricanes on the East Coast um, and elsewhere in the world, what we are seeing is much more powerful hurricanes that both increase in strength dramatically more rapidly and also result in significantly more rain and and damage and flooding from that with each one. The end result of that is large numbers of people whose homes are, are made unlivable or can't find Work in the area with all the devastation and need to move, which results in climate migration. And one example from the past that is prominent in people's mind is Hurricane Katrina Um, in 2005. And New Orleans has not recovered from that, nor have the people. The large numbers of people that had to move still have had their lives disrupted and have not recovered from that, and live elsewhere throughout the United States. If we multiply that many times over with hurricanes just in the U.S., um, and even more than that, globally, the the issue of climate migration becomes huge.
0: Uh, Just here within Montana, to bring it a little closer to home, Rob and I were working on the Crow Reservation in 2010 when we had a big Mm -hmm. spring flood. And I think it's really important to realize what people on the outside saw and what you saw if you were on the inside. So people on the outside saw these pictures in the news and on the newspaper for several days with the interstate closed and, and all this flood. And then a couple of days later, it was all gone. There wasn't anything else in the news. And within two weeks, if you drove down the interstate, you wouldn't have thought there was that it, that everything was over. There wasn't any consequences. But what we saw, because we worked in this community, is that there were a lot of people that were just living on the edge and whatever home they had they lost so they might have had water creep into the drywall to where it, it ruined it and molded out the house or they might have lost their furniture or their clothing whatever and, and the home that they were in was unlivable so we found that years later some of those people were still living in fema trailers were still living in a spare bedroom of a relative's house and some of them were still homeless so even though it looks pretty benign from the outside, if, if you don't have a lot of resources, those, those effects you know, affect you permanently. And not having a home is one of the biggest predictors of poor health because you just can't think about a healthy lifestyle when you're living in a spare bedroom with your entire family.
2: Absolutely. And also with things like rising sea levels, you know, things that inland states such as Montana may not think have any direct effect on on us and our communities, that with concepts such as climate migration is currently and will definitely be in the future, very real and high impact concepts, you know, in all elements of health and economies and um, our societies. And a lot of the conversation around climate change and taking action to mitigate climate change is around the cost, the cost that it takes to make these changes and to mitigate climate change. But greatly outweighing that are the costs that we'll face if we do not mitigate climate change. And the cost of public health is a large part of that. You know, obviously the cost in in health and lives and well-being is is huge on its own but even just the argument of the monetary cost of health impacts can you speak to that how that alone is a very real and mounting element that we have to take into account
0: there's been many many research studies done on on the cost and actually what what they've all shown is that the cost is is well worth it because of the savings in in human health So going a little bit beyond the cost, I think if we just look at the actions that we take, every action that we take to decrease emissions and decrease air pollution is going to improve human health. So if we take the transportation sector, if we make our towns and cities more bikeable and walkable, it's called active transport, more people use that form of active transport. And because most Americans don't get the recommended amount of exercise, it actually improves our health. And it also improves the environment because it's decreasing pollution and decreasing the CO2 emissions. When we promote and improve public transportation, like buses, the people who switch over actually lose an average of 12 pounds the first year, which again has huge health health benefits for them. And again, the emissions are decreased. If we look at agriculture, when we make agriculture more sustainable and more local, the food is healthier, we're more connected to our food, and the food travels less to get to us so again you're decreasing emissions while improving human health and if we look at anything that improves energy efficiency like insulating your home and then also look at any any transition to clean sources of energy i mean the same thing happens you have less emissions less air pollution better health so, so it's a win win for both for both sides
1: and it's it's also worth pointing out that many of the the changes that need to be made to affect climate change will take years before they affect climate change itself. On the other hand, the health benefits of many of those changes, uh, primarily with improved air quality, we start to realize very quickly. In recent testimony before the House Oversight Committee, Dr. Drew Shandell pointed out that There will be roughly 1.4 million lives saved from improved air quality over the next 20 years, merely by staying on the guidelines to stay under two degrees centigrade that have been advocated for. That also results in about $700 billion per year in benefits to the US from improved health, which is dramatically more than the cost of implementing those same changes that are needed to mitigate and prepare for climate change. What, one of the important things worth pointing out with that, though, is that many of those are costs that somebody doesn't have to pay versus money in the bank now. And and that's a concept that a lot of people, and particularly politicians, have troubles making changes based on.
2: Right, and it's it's about kind of changing the conversation around those things, right? Um, changing how we frame it and what lens we look at it through. And as you were saying, too, it's it's not just a matter of, you know, checking a box to address a certain issue. It's it's looking at it as these systemic changes that need to happen, you know, that it's environmental, social, health, and it's all interconnected, you know, and our, our approaches need to be um, interconnected as, as we're looking for these better ways forward.
1: It's also, I, I think, worth pointing out that Many of these same changes or, or things that we're talking about in terms of solutions for climate change, we could have the same discussion and never mention climate change and it would still make sense. I mean, if we look at things that will make a difference globally, one of the largest, according to some studies, is reducing our waste of refrigerant gases, air conditioning gases uh, and a variety of others. Just by doing that, Not only would it save money, but it would have dramatic effects on air quality and on climate change going forward. Other things, for example, uh, making sure that women get equal education to men globally. Huge impacts across the board, independent of climate change, but it also helps climate change. And there are many other examples of similar things that you would not think have anything to do with climate change, but actually they're very beneficial and lots of reasons to do them otherwise.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And the the project drawdown does a great job of really putting in the thorough research and the data to back all of those all of those solutions up and and the interconnectedness of all of it. And with the conversation of climate change, um we're in a, a place unfortunately where it can be a very divisive topic. Do you find that when speaking on the health impacts of climate change that that is an element that kind of brings people together around taking action and just speaking on the impacts of climate change.
1: One of the areas that, that, that we have seen, particularly in our work with the Faith Science Climate Action Group, that certainly in the, the various religious communities, there's a very strong attachment to stewardship of the earth itself. But also many of those same groups or communities tend to be very conservative in terms of it's hard to bring up something like climate change. And over the past few years, and especially through this group, by getting people together and starting to talk about it, it turns out that there's this really, really huge interest in doing something because that's what faith and the religious groups believe in. Um, but it was hard to talk about. Now that is becoming less of an issue, and it's worth pointing out that almost all the major religions have very strongly worded statements supporting action on climate change.
0: I will say, when we first became climate advocates, we weren't using the health voice as much as we do now. And and I must say that when you're using the health voice, whether you're giving a testimony or you're doing a presentation, I have never had anyone question what I'm saying. So they might still say they don't believe in climate change, but they don't disbelieve that 200,000 people are dying from air pollution. So so the health voice is really important.
2: Yeah, no, I, I could see that. And it's, you know, something that we can really connect to our own families and something that we see the very immediate impact of. Right. That's that's right in front of us. and. When you both give your presentations and share this information with universities and different groups, what are the elements that the audience members are usually the most surprised at hearing once you deliver this information?
0: I think there are still huge numbers of people, including scientists and doctors, that don't have a clue of all the things that air pollution and um, climate change is affecting in relation to our health. So most people totally get that asthma is going to be worse. And a number of people understand that heart attacks and strokes happen more often. What they haven't heard about is the prenatal issues. So the fact that preterm births and stillbirths happen, that there are links now with all kinds of uh, mental problems like dementia and air pollution, uh, schizophrenia and autism and ADHD and air pollution, they seem to be linked in the research studies. I think a lot of people also don't correlate the the huge impacts that climate change is and will have on our agricultural production, how closely that's related to human health. Because, of course, nutrition is one of the most important things to have good health.
1: And also to follow up with what Lori said, is not only is air pollution linked to many of those, but increased temperatures itself. So heat, and it doesn't have to be extreme heat, increases in heat have been associated with problems, increased violence, increased preterm problems, uh, earlier deliveries, as well as problems with respiratory and heart disease, separate from the uh, air pollution itself, Uh, just the the mild increases in temperatures. As the temperatures go up, more problems with those as well. So a variety of impacts, and they're not isolated from each other they're probably cumulative and build on each other
2: yeah now i was reading that the long term maximum temperature exposure for human survival really isn't as high as i would have thought you know it's it's 95 degrees which already we're seeing prolonged periods of time where a lot of places around the world are experiencing at least that temperature you know, but even coming close to that, the other health repercussions is as far as what you're saying as well. And can you speak a little further to the impacts on prenatal and infant health? Uh, I know I was pregnant and gave birth in the summer in July. And I was concerned, you know, not only in the third trimester of my pregnancy, but also in the first few months of My child's life, you know, when it was really smoky and I was worried of what impacts that would have, but I didn't really know the science or the medical details of what that was doing. If you could speak a little bit to that.
0: Well, we know when you're exposed to air pollution and you're younger, it affects you more because your lungs are still developing. So you continue to develop develop lung cells until you're about seven years old. So when you have bad episodes of respiratory illnesses or exposure to air pollution when you're younger, it has the potential to do more damage than for an adult. And part of that's because uh, babies and children breathe more per body mass than we do. In relation to wildfires, uh, we know that air pollution leads to more premature births. It's much more difficult to say that a particular bad wildfire season. You just can't say that with certainty. So they predict somewhere between 16 and 25,000 babies are born premature in America just from air pollution every year. And it's easy to measure when you're in a place where they have the same amount of air pollution every day of the year. It's much harder to say, you know, that those two weeks caused you know, caused a premature birth. But as I mentioned earlier, there's just been a lot of links with various kinds of problems. Um, There's been thyroid disruption that's been found related to air pollution and a couple kinds of uh, congenital heart disease. Again, the preterm births and stillbirths and sudden unexplained infant deaths have all been linked to air pollution. And then the neurodevelopmental things that we mentioned like um, schizophrenia, autism, ADHD and dementia in older people.
2: There are just so many elements, you know, both directly and indirectly that have such a great impact on our health. And we have so many communities that are living right there next to factories and refineries and freeways, and their health is severely impacted, whether it's formally talked about, you know, with the general public that it's directly linking to all of these health issues and it's not even like wildfire smoke where there's somewhat of a season, you know, this is around the clock, 24 hours a day, year round, where people are living and sleeping and raising their children. And it's, it's creating a health crisis that needs to urgently be addressed. And with your organization, you interact with both health professionals and the general public. What are some final calls to action that you have for those groups?
1: probably the single biggest thing for health providers is both get involved and speak up. Physicians especially, nurses a little less so because they've been willing to speak up for a long time, but are often reluctant to voice an opinion about things because they think it may be political or whatever. This is clearly impacting our and our patients' health, and it's important that we both talk with our patients about it, and also speak up in, in, in the public arena as well. For for healthcare providers, we would also make a plea to help amplify that voice is to, to sign on with the organization, Montana Health Professionals for a Healthy Climate. Now going to the public arena or to the general public, we would say the same thing. I mean, A lot of our work is involved with increasing awareness and helping people to make these connections to their health. But the single biggest thing that needs to happen is people need to get involved. And that may be as simple as talking with your neighbor about it, so that your neighbor realizes, oh, you're concerned about it too. This may be important. Or if they're willing to to do even more, get involved with their elected officials, or in their church, or in their local organizations or service organizations, and bring it up as something, this is important. What can we do to help this?
0: I think it's really important for people to realize that their voice really matters. When you write a letter to the editor, when you uh, send a letter to Congress, um, our, our congressional representatives keep track of those kind of things. They actually know how many people contacted them this week. So it really does matter.
2: Absolutely. And with that, for policymakers, you know, both... Nationally and at state levels, what are some calls to action that you have for those policymakers to step up to take action for um, community health and our public health in regards to climate change?
1: Well, one is is particularly at this point in time as we are still reeling from the 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 COVID pandemic and looking at how do we recover from this and open up the economy more is looking at ways to have a sustainable recovery. What has led to climate change is with the air pollution and particularly fossil fuels, is sort of showing that what we've been doing isn't working and it's gonna get us in more and more trouble. So we need to do something differently. Having said that, that also means people need to have jobs. If you don't have a job, nothing else matters. If you can't provide for your family, all other discussions are off. So that's part of the, this discussion of a sustainable recovery. Um, and that is, yes, we need to to get away from fossil fuels, but we also need to make sure that the people who are impacted by that have jobs with viable incomes as well. And many of the things that we do if towards a sustainable recovery will also help address many of the social, environmental and other justice issues just by having sustainable practices.
0: I mean, a couple of the fastest industries growing in the United States the last couple of years has been solar and wind wind installation. And we know if we increase that in Montana before everybody else does it, then we can sell our electricity to other places and we can have good paying jobs. A report just came out that actually showed that the pay overall in renewable energy was the same as it was in it about just about exactly equal to what it is in, in fossil fuels. And we know that the fossil fuel usage is decreasing and is going to continue to decrease. And um, so I think if our state supports solar and wind, we would be better off.
2: Right. And it's not one at the cost of the other right a, a healthy clean environment and jobs and a strong economy right it's it's one and the same and it has to be looked at as that um because it truly is you know and any final thoughts that you guys want to add for listeners
1: just to emphasize that climate change is the world's greatest group participation project there are no spectators in this one despite the fact that we don't think it's happening to us or in our region this is something we all have to do together, and that's it's important because it's not a it's not a state, it's not a person, it's not a political party, it's not a nation. We are literally all in this together.
2: Thank you so much to Dr. Robert and Lori Byron for speaking with us today. You can find out more about the Montana Health Professionals for a Healthy Climate as well as resources on health and climate for Montana and nationally at montanahphc.org. If you yourself are a health professional of any kind located in Montana, you can sign up at their site to be a member, receive their newsletter, and anonymously pledge your support for when the organization speaks up for legislation on behalf of climate action and public health. We encourage listeners in other states and countries around the world to find the entities in your area that are focused on the public health element of climate change and environmental degradation. Or if you don't have one, maybe you're the person to gather the working group and start that. Whether you're a health professional or a concerned citizen, it's important to really recognize the powerful role your voice has in creating positive change. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more stories and share these episodes with others to hear inspiring action to help you find your role in a thriving planet. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories for Action and Twitter at Stories# Four Action. Learn about all of our work at storiesforaction.org, where our mission is to use the power of storytelling to share human connection and the advancement of a thriving planet for all.